This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. We are coming at you after a great week one uh, where we saw a lot of great action, a lot of offense, a lot of scoring, some from unusual places, some from the places we didn't uh, really think uh, were going to come back, and some from the places that, well, frankly, we expected. And yet uh, we're here to discuss it all with you again this week. Uh, Joining me, co-host Ethan Hamilton. But to begin off the podcast, uh, like we did last week, um, we are the show uh, that is telling you why you need to be playing Dynasty League football above all others. And we would appreciate if you would share our show. Um, If you have a listener question as we go along, um, we're going to be doing a preview episode later in the week. Uh, We'll be doing at least the Thursday night preview tonight. Uh, But if you have a question for your Sunday lineup and would like to uh, get something into the show, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and um, answer any of your uh, burning questions for the week. Uh, we don't have any listener roundup for this week so far, but uh, we are planning that other show as we go along later this week. First section up before we get to the football, because it was a big part of our episode uh, previewing week one uh, last Friday. Um, I do want to mention three players who got paid. So um, a lot of what we've discussed here in the offseason has been contracts, contract disputes. Um, There will be at least one other one that comes up because it was kind of a big topic of discussion yet today. But um, you and I were texting on Saturday morning when these three kind of came down. And uh, it's just interesting to see kind of where they fall. So number one, and it's the one that you and I were uh, talking about a lot, uh, especially during the offseason leading into last week. And uh, we even mentioned it on the show last Friday. But Delvin Cook gets five years, $62.5 million. So that uh, sorts out to a $12.5 million AAV. Yes, average annual value. Given that I think... Coming into the offseason, um, the highest after Todd Gurley got cut by the Rams, uh, average annual value, I think, was about eight or eight and a half million. Uh, that's quite a increase uh, for a running back. Uh, what did, were you thinking when that went down? Um, I was kind of surprised because they don't really pay running backs. And I mean, it's not like there's a shortage of running backs coming into the league either. We saw with this draft class, there's a lot of good running backs coming in. Well, probably touch on Josh Kelly later. Um, But yeah, I was really surprised and totally in one day, totally reset the running back market. Well, and that was just the tip of the iceberg because almost immediately following that, I got a new notification that Alvin Kamara was about to sign his deal. And then maybe about an hour after that, he signs a five year, $75 million deal for 15 average annual value. Um, which is enormous when you talk about running backs and how replaceable they often tend to be. For two teams, especially after an offseason where they rewrote the rules on how much uh, 
players had for leverage and holdouts and where the teams had all of the leverage, um, I'm surprised to see running backs get this much value. I think with Kamara, too, and where his um, pay comes in, um, he's a lot of a wide receiver, too. He's not just a running back. Um, he's always up there in the, the top targets and receptions on his team, and he got what Le'Veon Bell was trying to get with the Steelers a couple of years ago. He he got what Le'Veon wanted, and um, I mean, you got to thank Le'Veon for the sacrifice that he made, but... Um, Good for Kamara. He he got a lot of money. Well, since you bring him up, um, it's very possible. I, I think Le'Veon Bell might even be above that eight or eight and a half million. So it, it's possible. But he's a, mired in a team that is just dysfunctional in the Jets right now. And that's a story we're going to get to later. So you, you think about the fact that these running backs don't have to change teams and they're getting a chunk of money uh, on top of it. I'm just surprised with what we kept saying after Todd Gurley got cut, how teams were not going to pay running backs, that both of these guys completely flipped the market. Yeah, I'm really surprised. Um, like I said, in a day, the running back market got reset. So good for these guys for getting their money because they deserve it. They're very important to their team and a lot of wear and tear on their body, and they deserve every penny that they're getting. I do think this is a byproduct of the fact that the league has converted more to a running style league over the last couple of years. Play action has become a a bigger part of things. But given the amount of running back by committee or um, younger running backs that are coming out in the draft, I'm still just uh, somewhat surprised at the whole thing. But good for them. It keeps them in the fantasy valuable radars, and uh, they're going to be on the field uh, barring injury, you know, knock on wood. Um, for the rest of the year. So the only other major deal to come through was Cooper Cup, three years, 48 million, 16 AAV for those of you at home uh, that you don't need to do the math. Um, That's actually pretty good for a wide receiver and especially somebody as good of a caliber as he was uh, to start last season. Um, Are you surprised by how much he got? Um, I am a little surprised uh, by how much he got. And I was just going to ask you, are you surprised that they re-signed him at all? I'm not. Um, I think they value him a little bit more because of his connection with Jared Goff, the fact that he's come up through the system and how well he plays in a specific position in that Rams offense. Um, You think about the fact that this would have been huge money for a wide receiver about five or six years ago, but the market is really resetting. So after you, I think wide receiver is the fourth highest paid position after pass rusher um, and quarterback and left tackle. And so if you're going to pay a wide receiver, this isn't actually as much as you think it is given that I think there are going to be several guys that are signing between 22 and 25 million. Um, so Michael Thomas, if he gets an, a new deal, um, that's very possible. Nuck, I think, just signed a new deal last week, and I can't remember what the uh, AAV was on that, but that might be much or considerably higher than um, Cooper Cup's deal. So actually, this might out, work out to be uh, team-friendly, and given that they're still on the cheap um, with Robert Woods, uh, this isn't actually that bad, especially if they front load the deal. I do think it's telling that a lot of teams um, gave out a lot of salary up front now and we're trying to work out signing bonuses. So it 
tells me one of two things that could be predictive going forward as far as um, salary caps are concerned. One, either the NFL thinks it's an extremely strong position because you can give out this money without having to worry about um, taking it on the back end uh, because the cap is going to grow. They're going to get a huge new TV contract. I think the new TV contract is supposed to be worked out after this season, if if I remember right. And that um, they're doing this money now because uh, players are actually going to demand more. Um, So by uh, getting these guys on the books already, that actually um, saves them on the cap and they have the ability to go out and spend later. Um, For the team that you and I both root for, Kenny Clark, uh, David Bakhtiari are already signed for Green Bay and they're already working on Aaron Jones in an off season filled with articles basically saying you can only choose two out of those three. So to me, that says either teams are figuring out how to spend um, smarter or they think that the league position is great. It's either that, or it's in the complete opposite direction where they may think they don't have the money. And so they're trying to spend it now um, in hopes that they get some of this off the cap and they can retain their players in a position of strength right now where they don't know what the position of the uh, or uh, financially they will be in next year uh, post COVID. So I would defer to the NFL actually having a better revenue situation right now and being in a stronger position, which if you would have told anybody that when we started going into lockdowns, they probably would have said you were crazy. But I mean, we saw how much fervor there was in watching the draft when everybody was in lockdown. So I can only imagine how the rest of this is going to be from a TV product with no fans in the stands. I probably have to agree with that. My reasoning and why I thought, or not, I mean, I was a little surprised that they resigned him is you, you took Van Jefferson pretty early in the draft. What, he was a second round pick, right? No, he um, was, was he was at he's, least he's third. Early. He was their second, he was their second draft pick after Cam Akers. Um, so you obviously prioritized him decently well. Um, you have Robert Woods, right? And you have where they thought they had something in Josh Reynolds, which maybe they, maybe he's not what they thought he was. Maybe that's the reason why I'm just a little surprised with a team that, that is in the type of cap situation that the Rams are because they're, they're pushing it a little bit that, um, that you would go out and give this type of money to a wide receiver who I think as good as he is, I think his replacement is already on the team who can be just as good, if not better. Well, and that's a fair point to make, especially with the money that they just gave Jalen Ramsey. They've still got big contracts to Jared Goff um, and Aaron Donald on the books. So they're really spending out at a couple of positions as opposed to depth uh, overall for the team. But I'm if you've got a good player and locking them down, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just going to be that your uh, depth is going to be challenged more than anything else. So, and especially for a team that traded away a lot of draft picks um, to get the players that they currently have. um, It's one of those situations where I'm, I constantly am scratching my head with the Rams, but this one is much less than in some of the other scenarios. 
I guess the last thing I'll leave it with is, is the Rams really regretted giving Todd Gurley that money uh, a couple of years back and resetting the running back market at that point. Do you think the Saints or the Vikings are going to regret giving Delvin or Kamara any of that money? I mean, I don't think so. As, as long as Zimmer is in Minnesota, they're going to run the fuck out of the football. Um, he brought in Gary Kubiak, who is an old-school style running coach, so I, I think they're going to work the hell out of Delvin Cook. Um, with Kamara, I think that comes down. this comes down to Sean Payton, too, I think, because of the type of offense that the Saints run. That makes Kamara that much more important because, what, he had 16 yards on Sunday? As long as Sean Payton's there, he's going to be productive. I don't know if you bring in other coaches if, if he's as good of a pure runner as some of these other running backs because I don't think that's what makes him his money. I think his versatility um, and receiving, I think that's what makes him important. Yeah, and I would agree uh, to a certain extent because I think it, it, we're going to get to this with our Saints preview, and I'll, I'll kind of like bury the lead a little bit, but it's quite clear that they're going to need to go through some type of quarterback change in the near future. So, yeah, all right, you absolutely. ready to get into digging into these games? Let's do it. I All see right. the first one that we have up. <laughs> so normally we aren't going to start with Monday night, but there's an important reason that's central to our show. Uh, Titans Broncos, oh, I hadn't heard God. from you in like a couple of days. All of a sudden I get this message out of nowhere, and it's just like manna from heaven. Fuck Corey Davis. <laughs> Corey and Davis I, would go out and do this. He would I go know, do this. You want to hear something even more torturous? Uh, I was listening to the ESPN guys today, and they were comparing him to uh, Devontae Parker from last year. I swear to God. I swear to God. If he goes off and this is his breakout year finally, oh, my God. He had seven catches for 101 yards. He had eight targets. Like um, He led the team in targets, tied with A.J. Brown. Um, yep. He had himself a hell of a game. He had himself a hell of a game. And um, as a former multi-time good. owner, yeah, yeah, as a former like, multi-time owner of him, I'm happy for him, but fuck Corey Davis. <laughs> yeah, that was some noise. Um, it's one game. I'm not going to overreact to it. Uh, he looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people going into last year when things started to turn around with A.J. Brown – and they made the change at quarterback, and you you thought, okay, then why the hell isn't Corey Davis finally doing that when he's actually got somebody who can deliver him the football? I don't know, but he produced last night. I'd like to see it again probably at least twice more before I'm willing to, like, certify Corey Davis, um, let's say, stock. Uh, I'm definitely not investing any, like, waiver wire claim in him or DFS stock, but it you know, it's it's fun for me because I didn't own him for that long, and he's been a weird mascot on this show. So uh, moving on, because we're going to be short on time. Uh, Derrick Henry, again, racks up another 100-yard day. Um, just another day at the office for him. Uh, he looked really good. Um, he was – I feel like he was struggling a little bit early, but with a runner like that, you just – you hate seeing him. Like, it gets to be the third quarter. It gets to be the fourth quarter, and he's the last person 
you tackle. Um, so just his ability to um, he's going to have another really good year. He's one of those traditional power backs. Uh, he had 31 carries last night. Uh, he was the only rusher other than Ryan Tannehill who did it on a couple of scrambles. But you wonder how many times uh, they're going to just literally ha- turn around and hand him the football. And the evidence is quite obvious after last year's playoffs, uh, the last couple of weeks of the season, they're going to hand him the ball as much as they need to in order to win the game. I mean, he he defines who, their team. Who was the, when was the last time a running back, one single running back, had 31 carries in one? It's been a while. Not like, named Derrick Henry? Yeah. Exactly. I think like, I think there were a couple a of times Le'Veon Bell got that many carries for the Steelers, but it it was like four or five years ago. Right. It's been a while. So I I wonder at his where uh, usage. Maybe not in this week or next week because um, I mean again, 31 carries, 116 yards. He's only he averaged less than four yards a carry. So that is concerning. He did get three targets last night for 15 yards. And if you're in a PPR format, that's, you know, at least something. That's that's like gravy for a guy that was the rushing champ last year. But you would like to see him have better efforts. He is playing Jacksonville next week, who didn't allow a lot on the ground, but they did give up quite a bit in the air to receiving backs to Indianapolis in another game we're going to discuss in a, in a minute. But um, I would expect for him to... Uh, pretty much tear through Jacksonville next week. Yeah, I mean, you got to think if he if his if he holds up, like you know, and he's going to keep putting up these type of numbers. But if he holds up, I think he will because he's a big ass dude. But he's just got to hold up. I, I frankly think they're going to give him the ball as many times, and that that consistency of volume is what's going to hold up whether or not his uh, efficiency rate or is high enough or not. If he ends up getting where he's five yards a carry, he's going to have one of those games where he's just absolutely uh, going off again for 200, 250 yards. So it's one of those, um, you know what you're probably going to get if he's going to stay on the field. And for at least, you know, the last two years, he's been able to be relatively healthy. Again, knock on wood. So moving on uh, to the Denver side of things. First mention, a guy you just traded away who had a really good game, really solid game, um, people thought was a good sleeper, Noah Fant. Yeah, that was tough to watch a little bit. Uh, I feel like I didn't get my money's worth out of him, but um, he had himself a very good game, and um, he's going to have himself a pretty good year, too. Who else looked very, very good, I thought, for still being young and unproven, I thought Drew Locke looked pretty good. Um, for being a tight of a game as it was, I felt like he had a pretty good command of of the offense. So I I feel really good about the um, receivers in Denver. I think they're going to have a pretty decent year. Well, Cortland Sutton was importantly out for last night's game, uh, and apparently he is very close to returning, which I find to be fascinating. Uh, I would have thought for sure that they would have put him on IR um, just for folks at home, uh, IR this year can be used as a three-week designation as opposed to the 10-week des- designation, uh, so players can recover from COVID uh, if they have it. And that's going to allow a lot of roster manipulation this year, but I would have thought he would have been out for multiple weeks. It's apparently not the, going to be the case, um, putting him on the short-term um, 
IR for that that particular reason. So he may play next week, and I'd like to see kind of what the target share is going forward. Now, next week, I would not expect any of these guys to have a particularly great game because Denver's going up against Pittsburgh, who might have the best front seven in football this year. Um, I mean, they, they are absolutely monsters on that side of the ball. But um, Fant got, you know, a, a decent amount of targets for that team. I just don't know long term uh, how many targets they're going to be able to uh, throw around. Um, losing Von Miller on that team, um, their defense isn't as good as it could be. And so you wonder um, whether they're going to be playing from behind, thus having to throw the ball more. Um, Drew Locke doesn't look like, um, an incompetent quarterback, like what, uh, Baker Mayfield looks like right now. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a situation where he could be thrust into a kind of Gardner Minshew role. And so then you like them throwing the ball a little bit more, but I'd like to see this develop. It's a nice sign from Fant from a, for a guy that people had a lot of hope and promise on. And given what the tight end market is right now, um, past about the first, you know, five players, uh, there are a couple of risers from this week that could really make that top 10, and he's one of them. Um, moving on quickly, uh, Philip Lindsay developed a turf toe injury last night. Um, now, to be notable, Devontae Adams dealt with a very similar injury last year, was out three to four weeks. Um, this is That was for a wide receiver who does a lot of cutting. Um, I don't know what it would be like for running backs. I have to imagine it would be uh, problematic or similar. You would expect to see uh, Melvin Gordon do an even bigger role. Um, he was only targeted three times last night, caught all three passes for eight yards, uh, but he did have 15 carries for 78 yards and a score last night. Um, I would expect to him to get the lion's share of the work right now. I really don't see Royce Freeman getting much bigger of a role um, going forward. And for a role that was expected to be a timeshare, uh, if you hold sh- uh, stock in Melvin Gordon, that is probably going up. Uh, moving on to the other Monday night football game, um, Steelers and the Giants. Early on in this game, now if you remember back to Friday's episode, I picked the Steelers to beat the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl this year, and I was getting a little bit nervous. Uh, ben kind of looked like he was not in sync. Um, he didn't, even though he was taking some hits and he would occasionally make a good throw, he was not consistent. Um, middle of the second half, that was pretty much gone. Um, Ben was hitting guys in rhythm. They figured out how to break down that Giants defense, um, and he was hitting everybody under the sun. Uh, He was a top five fantasy quarterback two years ago before he hurt his uh, elbow last year. Uh, I had my doubts going in, but he looked good. And by extension, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a huge game. Uh, James Washington had a nice game. But the most targeted wide receiver on the team was Deontay Johnson, uh, what do you think about the uh, Steelers passing game and wide receiver situation going forward? Um, man, they really, they're really good at drafting wide receivers first and foremost. Um, the Steelers always, they always have a bunch of great wide receivers. Um, but I feel like the ones that you're going to want to have, and I feel like my guy that I own is on the outside of that. You want Juju, obviously. Um, and Deontay Johnson, you're obviously going to want. And then I think uh, Claypool. I think he played a very, very good game, and I think he's just going to get more and more looks as he becomes more and more comfortable in the offense and gets more and more of the offense gets installed. Um, But that being said, then you got to go to another surprising um, 
player as well in um, Benny Snell, who had himself a day once James Conner. Uh, so I drafted Anthony McFarland Jr. Uh, he was a guy that a lot of people had high projections on. He was a coach's decision scratch uh, for the game. They played with Jalen Samuels, uh, Benny Snell, and um, James Conner going into the game. And James Conner only had six carries for nine total yards before he uh, left with an injury. Apparently, um, it may be a multi-week thing. Um, It's hard to remain faithful in James Conner for a guy who has left or exited very early in most games that he's actually started, um, who has not been available for a lot of other games. So uh, I'm going to get to this in our previews, um, or I guess I should probably do this now, but Benny Snell is one of my top tier uh, pickups of the week. He's going undervalued in a lot of places, but if you want a piece of very legitimate offenses, I could make a case that he's more valuable potentially than Malcolm Brown. Given the fact that James Conner was a top five back when he replaced Le'Veon Bell like two or three years ago, and that he won guys a lot of their leagues by either drafting him very late or being a free agency pickup, if uh, James Conner's not able to be in the starting lineup often, and Benny Snell, who a lot of people don't know but probably should, coming out of Kentucky, and the fact that he was a um, uh, top five Heisman voting finalist, um, this guy's not uh, a bad player. He's very capable of going up. I don't know how involved he's going to be in the passing game, but if you want to be buying stock in a very talented offense going forward, and the Steelers look like they could be, um, then uh, I, I would definitely be buying into Benny Snell. I have to agree 110%. He looked very, very smooth out there. Um, and, I mean, he had a six-yard average. He had 19 rushes. Obviously, he wasn't included in the passing game because, you know, backup running back. They're not involved in that type of stuff yet, but you're going to see him get a lot more, not a lot more, but you're going to see him get a decent amount of of balls out of the backfield as well. But Big Ben's also not the type of quarterback that throws to running backs a lot after um, Le'Veon Bell. He's an outlier, Um, but Ben likes to push the ball down the field. Um, But I think Benny Snell is going to be a nice little change of pace when Ben is not throwing the football. Um, The offense is going to be opened up. So I think there's going to be a lot of big running lanes for him. So, yeah, I agree with you. I I think he probably should be your top waiver wire pickup this year because, honestly, I, I don't know how much longer James Conner has command of that backfield. I really don't. You drafted a running back, and then you have Benny Snell as well. Like, you're obviously – they obviously see that James Conner's days are, are numbered. So, yeah, I, if I have an early waiver wire pick, I'm picking up Benny Snell, that's for sure. All right, moving on to the Giants side of things. Um, Saquon Barkley last night had 15 carries for six yards. Uh, he did have six receptions on nine targets for 60 yards, including a couple of catches where he ended up hurling defenders. But are you worried? I would be a little bit. The Giants aren't a great team, you know? They're not a great football team. And typically you want players in fantasy that are on good football teams because good football teams score points, they move the ball, and that's how you score points in fantasy. I'm not saying you don't want Saquon Barkley because, let's be real, he's one of the best running backs in the league. But I feel like he's going to have a down year this year rushing the ball. 
they'll be able to throw the ball to him out of the backfield because that's just a mismatch in a half, him on a linebacker. But you're going to stack the box and force Daniel Jones, who went 26 for 41 with two interceptions. Yeah, I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to make him beat me. So, yeah, I, I'm a little worried that Saquon is not going to live up to the expectations that everyone had for him at the beginning of the year. I think Saquon got a lot of uh, value or a lot of run out of the fact uh, that, like Odell Beckham, he's in New York, so he's going to get more publicity. He's on a bunch of commercials, and he's an extremely talented player. Um, but his first year, his rookie year, he was playing with a statuesque quarterback who dumped the ball down often. Um, this year and most of last year in playing with Daniel Jones, I was worried about how many targets he would get out of the backfield. Last night actually was encouraging for me. While the uh, rushing totals aren't there, if you're going to tell me that he's going to get good amounts of passing game work and be uh, one of the most targeted guys on the team, I will take that. Because honestly, I don't know how many teams are going to run against Pittsburgh this year. That team is fierce. Um, I mean, that they, they were the reason that defense combined with Ben possibly making the offense even competent, let alone explosive, was the reason I thought that they could uh, end up not only in the Super Bowl, but winning it. So we'll see how that they or how the Giants are next week. Um, I forget who they're playing offhand. I have it here in my notes. Um, but, uh, uh, it's one of those where I'm not too concerned yet if it starts happening more frequently and he's had games where he's had bad rushing efforts, but six catches, 60 yards is at least something to, um, hang your hat on in the, in the interim. Um, you know, who I'm definitely <laughs> worried about is, um, Evan Ingram though. He had seven targets. He was able to catch two of them for nine yards. As an Evan Ingram owner and as a Zach Ertz owner, you know, I feel like those guys' times, not Evan Ingram as much, but I feel like Zach Ertz, I feel like his time is is up in Philly. Um, but we'll talk about that later. But Evan Ingram, yeah, that one, that's a little disheartening a little bit. you gotta, you got to think. And he, they were using him as a blocker, um, which didn't go well at all. He's an undersized tight end at best. Yeah, that one worries you a little bit. I think the Giants' offense is frankly going to be fine um, next week. Um, they're playing the Bears, who, like, the Lions put up points, even though they were missing Kenny Galladay and had, uh, you know, octogenarian Adrian Peterson back there running the football. But, you know, it's going to be one of those um, that I think the Giants are going to be behind in a lot of games and they're going to need to throw the football. Um, they're still sorting out certain situations, and Daniel Jones has been actually looked decent at different times. But the other thing about that team was is they were moving the football for a lot of the game, and uh, they had some really costly turnovers at some bad uh, times in the game. So I, I think the um, ability of this team, on offense at least, is good moving forward. They still have some things to uh, sort out, but I actually think they look potentially promising and could be a standout fantasy offense moving forward. All right, uh, let's move on to yours and my uh, favorite game of the week. Um, I was very nervous moving into this one. Um, everybody and their mother was picking against the Packers uh, playing well, not only this game, but for basically the entire season. Aaron Rodgers was washed up. Um, 
he uh, couldn't play anymore. He was the number seven quarterback as ranked by the players. Uh, he uh, had his uh, replacement already drafted. The Packers were starting to move on. And then he goes out and he throws for 600 or excuse me, 364 yards, four touchdowns on 32 of 44 um, passing for a 73% uh, completion percentage rate. Um, Devontae Adams goes out for 14 catches, tying the franchise record set by Don Hudson back in the 40s, and uh, a just absolutely monster game uh, with two touchdowns. Um, what uh, did we not see out of the Packers, or is this a matter of the Vikings being that bad this year? I think a lot of it, not a lot of it. I think a little bit has to do with um, you're, you don't know what the offense is, is running. You know, for the Vikings, they, we didn't, there was no, you know, training camp um, where you could go in and watch. You know, there was no preseason games to pick apart film. It's year two of the offense, so it's a, still an evolving offense. So there was a lot of things that they ran this year or the, yeah, on Sunday that we didn't even see last year. Um, we have, obviously, a different type of personnel now where it's more, um, more in tune with what he wants to do on offense. Um, I'm a little weary to buy in to the hype and say, oh, my God, we're going – you know, 13 and three, and we're going to the Super Bowl and the offense, you can't be stopped. Um, but I did like what I saw. Um, you wish you'd saw a little bit more of the running game, maybe some A.J. Dillon down in the goal line um, situations a little bit more. Um, and you kind of wish you saw a little bit more from other wide receivers. I mean, hats off to Devontae for having 14 catches on 17 targets, but MVS, he had four catches for almost 100 yards, but he had a couple of drops. Yep. Um, but to go from four to 14, you know, that's that's a big that's a big drop off. So, you know, defenses are going to know what we're running. They're going to get better. They're going to figure out better ways to cover Devonte Adams and this type of offense. Um, so I need to see a little bit more, but it's always a good day when you beat the ladies in purple. You know what I mean? Yep. The pansies were certainly cowering after this game. <laughs> um, so there are a couple of good signs. And I know this is a fantasy show. Um, I think Devonte, if Devonte Adams isn't the number one receiver in fantasy right now, um, I'd be hard pressed to find too many other players that were better than him. Uh, right now, it's basically him and Nuck after week one that are 1A, 1B. Um, they both had extraordinary days in week one. Um, and moving forward, given their amount of target share and the amount that they were just fed the ball constantly, you have to imagine that. I mean, Adams got 41% of the target share on Sunday. That's right. extraordinary. That's, like, incre you, that's incredible. If you get more than 20% on a team, that's usually like in the um, fantasy wide receiver one territory. Yep. To get 41% yep. is I, – I don't even know how to describe it. I mean that, that's absolutely ridiculous. So moving forward, I still think he's going to be there, and I think they're going to find him ways because he's going to be a huge red zone option. Uh, he's oh, the only yeah. guy when he was fully healthy – uh, for a three-year period that had double-digit touchdowns every year. He's a bankable number one um, absolute starter. 
I don't but, think he's going away. I don't think he's going away at any at all. That's no. not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like he's not going to catch 14 balls a game. Like, well, that's, no, that's a that's career a high for him to, to begin with. Yeah. Part of this was is I think that the um, Minnesota defense is clearly younger. Um, Rodgers as the veteran quarterback who clearly still has a lot of his fastballs. Um, in a year two offense where they knew a little bit more what they were doing. They knew how to scheme and play better uh, and call a better game, frankly, um, in year two. And they kind of left it out on the field. That being said, as far as the Packers prospects moving forward, uh, I will say some of the other teams that we were very nervous about, you know, them uh, potentially having very difficult road games, all had uh, very difficult week ones. Um, the 49ers lost to Arizona at home. Indianapolis lost on the road at Jacksonville. The Texans really didn't look very good against the Chiefs on Thursday night, um, other than in garbage time. Uh, you start looking at the Buccaneers or the Saints. Uh, both of those offenses really did not click well, and it's um, we haven't gotten to it yet, but Michael Thomas is going to be out probably for that game because we have the Saints next, uh, or week three, excuse me. So um, you're starting to talk about the Packers might hit some of these games at just the right time in order to give them that. And there's really nobody in that division um, that's scaring me. Uh, The Lions we have this week um, at a noon game at home with no fans, but um, the Lions just gave up a 17-point fourth quarter lead to Mitch Trubisky. I mean, Mitch Trubisky. The guy who we've made fun of for like four years because he was the guy that went ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Uh, It was the most Bears thing I've ever seen in my life, and I laugh every day because uh, why not laugh at a bear? But I I think there are better uh, prospects moving forward. Um, Green Bay is going to be playing the Panthers. They're going to be playing the Lions twice. They're going to be playing the Bears twice. They got the Vikings yet again at some other point at home. Um, you're going to have Jacksonville. Um, you thought, uh, if Drew Locke looks good against Tennessee, you know, how well can Aaron Rodgers potentially do? So their schedule really isn't as menacing this week, at least from where I'm sitting as it was about a week ago. Uh, so let's move to the other side of the football. Uh, Delvin cook, um, had a decent game. Not great. I think part of this was due to game script. Um, after the Vikings kind of got behind, especially uh, at the end of the first half, uh, I know that they didn't have a lot of time of possession and they kind of went three and out other than their first drive where he punched it in. Uh, but this was one where, especially late in the fourth quarter, where they started to score some points, um, they uh, uh, weren't able to run the ball as much. They were playing kind of that catch-up style, um, which helped Adam Thielen, who reeled in two touchdowns, had over 100 yards for the day. Um, kind of produce, but I think there are better days ahead for the rest of this offense um, going forward. It, it's one of those where um, I think all of them are going to produce at some point. It's just dependent on who they're playing. Kind of produced? Are you being a little kind of produced? He was big helping you with that comeback against Benny. By the way, congratulations on beating Ben for yeah. the opener of your dynasty the first time in a couple of years, right? Yeah, it it kind of feels like the Red Sox win against the Yankees in 04 that, you know, now that I've broken this curse, you know, maybe we'll let loose. This is a this is a dynasty. This is a fantasy football show. 
We don't talk about that. Um, no, um, yeah, a lot of garbage time points there for Thielen, and it doesn't matter when the points are scored. Like they all count the same. So um, you have to think. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to think that Thielen's gonna, if he stays healthy, uh, is gonna have a really big year because. Justin Jefferson, he really he had only three targets. You think with um, taking him as early as they did at being a first round pick, you think you'd want to involve him in the in the offense a little bit more. And Kyle Rudolph, I feel like he's always been known as like a Packer killer. Um, he only had two targets and two catches. So, uh, and then you the Packers, um, you know, got ahead so early, so big. So you kind of take you defeat the run game by making them have to score. So that was nice. Um, you know, and for me to just be able to collect the points from Dalvin's touchdowns and not see him run all over the place. Um, it, it was nice to watch too. So, um, I think, you know, the people that you thought were going to be good on the Vikings are going to be good on the Vikings. Um, and that not much more than that. There are only a few fantasy relevant people on that team. And uh, they all did their thing, and I think they will all year long. But there's not much more than that. that there's there's not um, many more targets um, that I would be looking for on the Vikings, at least this year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, at least I need to see it uh, what they're like against Indianapolis, where they're in a better favorable uh, script um, moving forward where you can get a better judgment. I think this was an oddity, and even then you still got productive games out of uh, your players going forward. So um, with that, moving on to the Indianapolis debacle at Jacksonville, um, we uh, have one of our big uh, first significant injuries of the year. Marlon Mack tears his Achilles. He goes down for uh, Jonathan Taylor, who takes over this backfield, and arguably would be a top 15 running back if we drafted simply today based on that information. You hate to see it. You truly, you hate to see it. And Honestly, yet you're because... smiling. <laughs> you know, Marlon Mack, he was in a contract year, right? So, I mean, that's just tough from a personal standpoint, but yeah, uh, standpoint, but um, as a Jonathan Taylor owner, I um, I'm pretty ecstatic. Um, I'm happy that I didn't do that trade with Ed. Ed, if you're listening, sucks to suck. Um, I, I'm. Oh come I, on! Don't I, kick the guy I, while he's down. He has so many I, of his guys go out with injury this week. And first and foremost, Jonathan Taylor can't or Jonathan Taylor can't catch right. Like that was that was the drum. That was that one of the knocks. Beating, I, yep. That I was. Even I did say the that I thought yep. he was better potentially as a receiver than people gave him credit. I didn't see that game coming from him, but but I would expect that to continue to happen uh, for both him and uh, another possible waiver wire claim pickup in Naheem Himes because uh, Philip Rivers likes to dump the ball. Well, he can't throw the ball down the field anymore. Um, But, I mean, and Jonathan Taylor, while I finish up on me gushing on my – number one pick um speed my goodness he is he's game fast just as fast as he was at the combine and um you know it's exciting Uh, he's going to be a really really good back for for a very long time um but now that we're talking about targets and everything like that you had a healthy ty hilton and paris campbell put on i feel like he put on a show like he was under 100 yards receiving but he had nine targets for six catches. You know, he led the team in, in receptions and, 
in yards receiving. Um, you know, he is, and I think you picked him up, right? If yeah, I drafted yeah. him yeah. Um, just after Michael Pittman Jr. Um, I thought coming off of last year, he was a second-round pick for the Colts coming in last year and got hurt early, so it really wasn't a productive year, but I thought he was another one of those because um, he and Terry McLaurin were the two big uh, wide road wide receivers from uh, um, Ohio State coming out last year uh, who were both projected very high. I thought he had the potential to actually do something, but it was one of those where I took a little bit of a flyer that may not have been so, and it's kind of paying off. Honestly, he would be a candidate for my start of the week. Um, It's a new segment. We're going to be starting this um, for our preview episode. A guy who's a little bit off the radar, who you think has the potential to finish as the number one wide receiver running back quarterback for the week. Um, He's going up against that Minnesota defense next week who just got torched, who we were just talking about, and he put up that target share. Like, it's very possible that he goes out and has a Devontae Adams-like day. I mean, that one's a little heartbreaking for me, too, because I drafted him last year. I, I, I don't remember what round I took him, but I know him because he was hurt all year long. Um, so, yeah, I, to see him on your team, that hurts a little bit, too. Um, but Are we getting a Fox Campbell type of No, class? no, 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 because he didn't do anything wrong. His body just gave out on him. So, um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, Paris Campbell, Jonathan Taylor, I think those are the guys, too, and Hines. Because I, I think he's still going to have a very productive and lucrative role uh, for the Colts for the rest of the year. Um, but that being said, let's move over to the other side of the ball. Um, Certainly. Minshaw. Um, <laughs> Minshaw. Three touchdowns. Three, three touchdowns. Exactly. I don't even know who he is. Three touchdowns. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, I look at him, I don't see an NFL quarterback, but 19 of 20 for 173 and three touchdowns. He is a game manager. And he's, they won the game. He's the perfect type of quarterback that you would want. You know, he just manages the game. Doesn't put you in trouble. And, um, yeah, uh, you wanted, you maybe want to see a little bit more out of DJ chart. You know, he only had three targets and three catches, but, um, they used to know a little bit all over the place. You got to be a little excited for um, the plans that they have for him the rest of the year. Um, are you a little disappointed in James Robinson? I mean, no, four just yards the opposite. Um, he's a guy that 16 carries 62 yards. He's going to be the only guy. They got rid of Fournette, and uh, Rykel Armstead's going to be out for a few weeks. He's going to ride this, and they have a decent situation going against Tennessee next week um, where you, you know, he's going to be the only guy. I don't think long-term that he's going to be in the answer, but can he be a spot starter or a waiver claim that um, maybe um, is a flex position guy at, at best? That's kind of what you were expecting. I'm not expecting a lot out of the Jacksonville offense, which is why I don't own a lot of stock in anybody on this. Minshew is a good spot start here or there. Um, but I mean, he only had 173 yards and only a tw- or attempted 20 passes. So, you know, how much are they actually going to be on the field? He did spread the ball around. He did do well enough to win the game. I mean, to be fair, Philip Rivers threw two terrible interceptions in this game. But um, moving forward, I, I don't know what Jacksonville is going to be. I was completely confused by this game and one other one, which we're going to get to here in a second. But 
um, you know, Chenault is going to make an appearance on my waiver or is on my waiver wire list. Uh, so that is a published article over on the, um, uh, I guess my personal blog that I've mentioned before. Um, and, uh, so I will link that in the show notes for anybody that wants to, uh, see our week two waiver wire claim pickups, um, as, as to that going forward, James Robinson's also on that list. I don't have him as high as some other ones, but he's another guy who's owned in 50, less than 50% of leagues who you should probably at minimum be stashing. I don't know if I'm comfortable starting him yet, but it's at least one where you'd like to see where it's going. And he got enough of a, um, uh, carry effort in order to be at least somewhat valuable. Um, but that said, I don't know if I'm starting any of the, uh, Jacksonville offense, maybe outside of DJ Chark, uh, right now. And even him, you know, that that's on a week by week basis. Um, because I, I just don't know how much you, you think the Jaguars are going to be behind, then they come out and all of a sudden, um, you know, they only have to throw the ball 20 times and they beat the Colts at home. So, it's going to be a frustrating time for that Jacksonville offense moving forward uh, for anybody. So, uh, all right, next game on our list. Um, they let Russ cook over at, at the Seahawks practice facility in the off season because he brought it out on Sunday against the Falcons and they were a bunch of uh, uh, fried birds by the end of uh, the game. Um, he only had four incomplete passes. That's like playing on all Madden, you know, against the computer level type of nonsense, like 31 for 35, 323 or 322 and four touchdowns. Uh, he also had three carries for 30 yards. Um, he's not a guy I like giving a lot of credit to, but boy, did is Russell Wilson been one of the top quarterbacks in this league the last couple of years. Um, well, he was incredible. He was incredible. He was the MVP for about the first half of last year, and then Lamar Jackson kind of took it away from him uh, by the second half um, with just some absolutely amazing stuff uh, running the football. But um, lest we forget that uh, the Seahawks buried um, the Ravens in a game that or excuse me, was it the other way around? I think the Ravens actually beat the, the Seahawks, so never mind. That kind of took the MVP race in the other direction. But Russ Wilson has been, at best, uh, a top-three quarterback and probably, at worst, a top-five quarterback for the last probably five years. And mm-hmm. now, if they're going to let him actually produce and um, they, they give him 30 to 35 throws a game, plus the amount of stuff that he still does with his legs— uh, look out fantasy world because that entire offense it's part of the reason that I made uh, DK Metcalf one of my bold predictions I think there are a lot of balls to go around in that offense um, I will say one of the things that concern me I have Chris Carson on both of the teams that I currently operate both my dynasty team and uh, my office league team and while he did have two receiving touchdowns He's not a guy that's primarily known as a receiver. He also was not getting the ball much as far as the bulk of the carries. Now, I know part of that was is they probably had the ball up late, and they brought in Carlos Hyde, uh, especially earlier in, or for the early part of this season maybe to um, take some workload off of Carson for more of the stretch run, especially with Rashad Penny starting the year on the pup list. But it's a little bit of a concerning sign to me that he was not getting a lot of um, running down work and that um, he was not getting the bulk or the lion's share of the carries. 
Yeah, you got to wonder what their plan is for him moving forward if he was dealing with something that wasn't disclosed or something like that. Um, but let's talk about quickly um, just how much um, Russell was spreading the ball around before we go over to the other side of the ball where Matt Ryan was also spreading the ball around. But DK Metcalf, eight targets. He converted four of those eight targets to 95 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then you had Tyler Lockett who had eight catches off of eight targets for 92 yards. And then, like you said, Chris Carson had six grabs for 45 yards and two touchdowns. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good value in the Seahawk offense. And I think even as Greg Olson gets a little more involved in the offense, as he figures it out a little bit more, I don't think he's going to be like a top five tight end or anything like that. But I think he's going to be someone that you're going to want to keep an eye on, um, that you're going to want to start in certain situations against certain teams. Um, but yeah, that's it, it was it was a fun game to watch, that is for sure. Um, and then, but then going over to the other side, Matt Ryan had three receivers with nine with nine catches. They all, all with 12, twelve targets. targets. That's, that's in what? Then they all went over a hundred yards. All three of them went over a hundred yards. Uh, Julio now, Jones I, had. I know this is a lot of garbage time, but you expect the Falcons to be playing catch up for most of the season. So this is not going to be a one week occurrence. Mm-mm. No, I, I think, yeah, cause their, their defense is garbage. Um, but Julio Jones, nine grabs 157 yards and then doing what Julio does, doesn't score touchdowns at all, but boy, he grabs a lot of balls and, and gets a lot of yards. Um, Calvin Ridley though, he is going to be, a very, very, and I, I, I know we just started the podcast this year, but I, I said this when he, he came out. I was like, that kid is going to be an incredible wide receiver. I think it took him a couple of years to kind of hit. I think this is going to be his like breakout, breakout year where it's going to be like, yeah, you can't deny what this kid brings. But as crisp as his routes are, as fast as he is um, in his hands, nine catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns um, on 12 targets uh, was a really, really nice day. Um, then moving up to, you know, just staying with fantasy people that people have on their teams. You go to Todd Gurley, uh, 14 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. Um, he did have five targets out of the backfield too. That's a little encouraging. They they gave him a lot of work, um, that I find to be uh, very, very potentially encouraging. Um, I will say that anybody panicking on like Hayden Hurst right now, um, it's too early for that in an offense that was, um, very, uh, open for tight ends the last few years. I know that Matt Ryan's not used to him in the same way that he was uh, Austin Hooper, but you have to like his prospects if the, the Falcons are going to be throwing this much. I guess the one question, Mark, that I have moving forward is a guy I considered putting on the list, uh, but it might be too early for him yet. Can this offense sustain a third viable flex option in Russell Gage? Um, I It's too early for me. I, I'm not one of those guys that likes to overreact to one game. Um, but, I mean, he had nine catches for 12 targets, so they obviously believe in the dude. Um, that, but it's, it's hard it's to too un- early ignore that volume. It, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's too early for me. I'm sure he'll get picked up off the waivers this year because people look at points. Um, but, it, like I said, it's too early for me. All right, uh, moving on uh, to the next game. The Bills um, 
beat the Jets by a score of 27 to 17. It really wasn't even that close. Uh, some garbage time points for the Jets. Uh, but Josh Allen is probably the big story of this particular game. Um, 312 yards passing, two touchdowns, 57 yards rushing, and another touchdown. Um, he has an absolutely huge day, um, even more so than some of the other guys that we've already mentioned that had huge days. I, I honestly don't think there were too many quarterbacks outside of maybe Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield that had bad days on Sunday. Um, I have to admit something to you, and I know you're going to like this a lot. I was wrong, and you were right about Josh Allen. I won't say it again because it's already on here. But man, I think he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a really really good quarterback. Um, Fourteen rushing attempts. Fourteen. He's as a quarterback. He's potentially going to be a very good fantasy quarterback. I don't know if you watch some I'm, of his throws in that game. I'm, Right. I, I don't know what his value is moving forward, and that division is still wide open because I think Miami's better than they played against New England in another game we're going to uh, review here in, in a minute. But um, Cam on New England looks uh, really good, so that division could be much more wide open. This is probably one of the best games Josh Allen's going to get as far as matchup um, against a, a Jets team that really kind of looked out of it after about the first five minutes of the game. And uh, other than some garbage time stuff to write home about on the Jets, um, and right now I wouldn't invest in a single Jets player, uh, maybe other than um, Herndon or uh, Crowder if I really was desperate. And even Crowder, like, he got one really long score, kind of like uh, another guy we're going to mention later on in the podcast, uh, 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 excuse me, Robbie Anderson. I, that kind of distorts his numbers. He's going to get a high target share, but there are other guys that I think are potentially more valuable moving forward. And if you've got somebody that wants to uh, invest in trading for Jamison Crowder, go ahead and do that. Yeah, he had one really big game. Um, like you said, 70-yard touchdown reception, but you're right, 13 targets. Um, yeah, maybe Denzel Mims just because he's a rookie. But other well, than that, there's no one I'm touching on – Denzel Mims as far as um, dynasty value, but currently he's on IR. So for redraft leagues, he's not even stashable or, uh, you know, put put on your roster and hold uh, type of situation. As far as the Bills, um, I do want to mention for uh, some of these guys that were moving on as receivers um, that are veteran receivers to their new teams, uh, we already mentioned a little bit uh, Nuck Hopkins, but Stephon Diggs, eight catches, 86 yards, nine targets. Um, in a game where um, he was not even the most targeted player on his team, that's a pretty good output um, from a, a quarterback who threw 46 times in a game that really wasn't close and kind of got some late uh, garbage time in the second half. you got to be – I mean, now he's the guy. He's the clear number one wide receiver in Buffalo, and it's only going to get better. Depending on how he does um, – consistently playing in that Buffalo cold, you know, cause he doesn't have a dome anymore. Yes. He's played in green Bay before and Chicago, he knows how to play in the cold, but to have consistent games now in the cold, I feel that that's where my only issue with Stefan Diggs could possibly be, but he's the number one in that offense. He's the one that you want um, out of any of the wide receivers on this team. Um, but one player that I think you should keep an eye on. And I know Ben is super excited about is Zach Moss. 
Um, he had just as many rushing attempts as Devin Singletary had. Um, he had only three less targets uh, in the receiving game than um, Singletary had. Um, not as productive as Devin Singletary, but you have to think that Buffalo likes what they have, and they're going to give Zach Moss every opportunity to make a name for himself. Um, and I think he will. I think he'll have a pretty decent So he's a little bit saved in this game for me um, by the touchdown that he had at the goal line, um, which was kind of like Josh Allen scrambling around and then finding him, um, kind of like the Noah Fant touchdown from last night. Uh, I didn't think it was a particularly good game for him. They did give him a lot of work, but his efficiency rating was poor. So I'll I'll be curious to see how they kind of move that um, going forward. I would also say, even though I'm encouraged by Stefan Diggs' output this game, Think about the fact that they have four games yet coming in their division against the Patriots secondary, which is probably second to none in the league, and against a Dolphins defense that invested heavily in their secondary by going out and um, tying up Xavier Howard and uh, Byron Jones from the Cowboys. Uh, I'm not so high on him being a weekly starter, and I still think he's in wide receiver three range. Um, Josh Allen's another one where... He played really well this week, but uh, I'm kind of curious that you already gave me uh, my kudos on that one before uh, we'd seen a couple of weeks. Well, I mean, you have 14 rushing attempts, and I'm not saying, like you said, I'm not saying he's going to lead them to the Super Bowl, but he's going right. to be a productive fantasy, and I didn't think so. I didn't want to buy into it, but they're obviously letting him do his thing more, and he's going to have those opportunities. The rushing value, the rushing value with any of these quarterbacks is going to keep the floor extremely high. Um, that's why Lamar Jackson's as bankable as you're going to get uh, any of these guys. So Russell Wilson, um, Deshaun, uh, uh, Watson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, any of these guys that uses their legs a bit um, is going to have a little bit higher of a floor. It's why Cam Newton's always been a great fantasy quarterback. I've never really thought of him much as an actual quarterback. Um, so, but uh, moving on, um, let's go over to the Bears-Lions game. The Bears uh, win 27-23 to 23, uh, after the Lions blow a 17-point fourth quarter, um, giving up 21 points in the fourth quarter to the Bears. Um, on the goal line at the end, uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, the rookie running back, second-round pick for the Lions, uh, drops a would-be game-winning touchdown at the end. Um, Mitch Trubisky comes through with 30 or three fourth quarter touchdown passes to help beat the Lions. Uh, stories from this game, 14 carries for 93 yards for um, the future Hall of Famer, Adrian Peterson, who I, I, I literally don't know how he does it. He just seems to produce everywhere he goes, um, even at this age. And it, it's outstanding. Uh, Matt Stafford, 24 of 42 for 297 and a touchdown without Kenny Galladay. Um any other major notes uh, from this game? Eh, nothing crazy. Um, breaking, though, I guess, is Allen Robinson is super pissed off in Chicago. Might have requested a trade as taking all his Bears insignia off all his social media accounts. So um, he is unhappy in Chicago. Um, another thing I guess I want to ask you is... Um, David Montgomery, you know, 13 carries for 64 yards, but no touchdowns. Um, do you think he 
pro or moves forward? Do you think he takes a step forward from last year, or do you think it's going to be a little bit more of the same? From the things that I saw of him, I actually liked the way he was maneuvering. Um, I thought he had good burst. I thought he was breaking through tackles. Now, again, the Lions' defense, particularly their front seven, isn't great. So maybe that's a one-week thing, and we'll see what they what he does against the Giants next week. I am a little bit encouraged by that. Um, and if they still have a passing threat with that team, that does help him. Um, I don't think they gave him as much work as they would have otherwise had he been a completely healthy. But the fact that he was on the field and he was able to take uh, three targets and 13 total carries um, does give me a little bit of uh, promise moving forward, even though they're going to be in somewhat of a time split uh, from all of them. As far as the Allen Robinson situation, um, he's not very happy with the contract. He can't sit out. The team has all the leverage. Um, Tariq Cohen was tweeting on his behalf, showing his support. Um, there were rumors earlier in the day that he had requested a trade. His agent has since denied that this evening. So that may be a very tense situation moving forward. Um, but uh, this is a guy that got paid once already before by Chicago. So uh, I'm not really sure what to make of it yet. The only other major stories that I get out of this, DeAndre Swift is going to be the second running back um, on this team. He probably will take over primary duties at some point. Right now, if you're looking for a rusher or the most productive back, it's probably Peterson in the short term. But on Johnson is no longer usable. Get or just dump him. I mean, this was the game where he, if he was going to do anything, he should have done something by now. And the other one, and it's a hidden one that I don't think I've seen anybody mention. I said this on Friday night that this was a guy that I liked stepping into the potential Galladay role, and he had 10 targets even though he only caught three of them. Uh, I didn't see all of them, but Quintus Cephas had 10 targets for the Lions. If Galladay's out for any extended period of time and that um, uh, offense goes into that situation, I don't know what Marvin Jones's contract situation goes like, but that's a guy to keep my eye on. I'm not ready to put him in the stashable category for um, dynasty purposes, but it's a guy that I'm I'm very curiously watching moving forward. Honestly, I didn't watch very much of this game. Um, I, didn't I don't like watching. I don't like watching other NFC teams play. It makes me bored. Um, <laughs> but looking at it, yeah, ten targets. It does though. Like it's just they're I know. To watch. I, I know. Um, and ten it's targets. usually that first game around dinner time on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, but going back to DeAndre Swift, um, actually just going back to the Detroit receiving in general, you look at it, you don't see Carrion Johnson's name there at all, not even no. for a target. So yeah, I guess I'm with you 110%. If I had him, I would, I would drop him unless like you have nobody else to pick up and your team is that bad. But yeah, I mean, yes, Swift didn't have a great day receiving, but they still threw the ball to him five times. Um, he didn't have a great day rushing, but um, the fact that he was in at the end of the game to even drop that touchdown is is telling. Shows that they want to give him, yes, every opportunity in the world. So um, there's some people to look for on this Detroit team, but if the team sucks, like I said, if the team sucks, I'm not going to mess with their too many of their players too much because they're not scoring or being productive. Um, but it's something to keep an eye out for. It's another one of those teams that might end up being in the scenario where um, they're behind a lot and therefore they're going to have fantasy relevance because they're constantly throwing the ball. 
But all right, let's move on to the Dolphins and the Patriots. The Patriots win 21 to 11 at home uh, against the Dolphins. Cam Newton rushes for two touchdowns. Ryan Fitzpatrick um, was Ryan Fitztragic this week instead of Fitzmagic. Three interceptions. Um, Julian Edelman, five catches, 57 yards. Uh, Devontae Parker leaves with a um, questionable injury. Um, Preston Williams doesn't play a whole lot. Is there anything more other than Cam Newton to take away from this game? Uh, Not really. But, boy, I'm sure he is super excited to be in uh, New England. And I'm sure they're super excited to have him. To have a quarterback run the ball 15 times for 75 yards. And And like just control the tempo. Yeah. And just to control the tempo, throwing the ball, nothing too crazy. Only 19 attempts when 15 and 19, um, you, I guess for the, uh, Nikhil Harry, uh, truthers, six targets, he had five catches, a little bit of excitement there. If you're, if you're stashing him. Um, but other than that, even going at, on the Miami side, there's nothing over there. Devontae no. Parker went back to his old self, four targets, four catches for 47 yards. He's so hit and miss for me. Well, and Fitzpatrick, who ended the year last year kind of torching the um, Patriots at the end against what we thought was one of the historically best um, regular season defenses we've ever seen, certainly for a fantasy value, um, he, he really was terrible in this game. Um, they split up the carries. Nine carries for Miles Gaskin, five for Matt Breda, eight for Jordan Howard, who only had seven yards. Did have the one score that kind of bailed him out a little bit. But I'm not really liking a whole lot of where this Dolphins offense is at the moment. And it's one of those where I'm kind of staying away um, from any of that. I know Sony Michelle got 10 carries for 37 yards and a touchdown. But as long as Cam Newton's their primary goal lineback, um, I think he's the only one of real fantasy relevance out of that backfield at the moment. So you look maybe at a couple of the wide receivers and this was a game where um, it was low scoring. It was a lot of running, particularly by the Patriots. So um, you, you're going to have to play a wait and see approach on that moving forward. Um, the Patriots are going to just do whatever they can to win. But I, I think that's really all we have at the moment uh, until we get a little bit more data going forward. With that said, the fact that I had an or still have, I think, an open trade offer for Jordan Howard, this really um, does not make me encouraged to uh, try and trade for Jordan Howard as being a potential option uh, out of that Dolphins backfield. So let's move to the other big surprising game of the week. Um, The Eagles blow a 17 point second quarter lead, give up 27 straight points to that football team. the Washington team, which I'm going to get wrong so many times this year, and it's going to sound so awkward trying to describe them, but uh, may have one of the best defensive lines in football. Chase Young was getting after it, and that was only his first game. Um, notable pieces out of this game, uh, Carson Wentz goes 24-42 for 270 yards, two touchdowns. Most of that was early and in the first half. Dallas Goddard, eight catches, 101 yards and a touchdown. Zach Ertz also gets an early touchdown, but only on three catches. Um any other big Im- or impressions from this game um, at the moment? If Carson Wentz can't stand up straight, if they can't keep him off the freaking ground, he was sacked for eight. He was sacked eight times, losing 62 yards. Um, they're going to have some trouble, and that's going to make um, that's going to make um, everyone else 
have trouble too. I mean, um, you don't have time to throw the ball. Obviously, I think it helps the tight ends a little bit because they're right in the middle of the field. They're the quickest person to throw the ball to. So I think it's going to help the Goddards of the world and the Zach Ertz because he still had seven targets, even though he only caught three. Um, but I'm sure they miss Miles Sanders. But you got to think, if they can't even protect Carson Wentz, how are they going to get Miles Sanders the type of yardage that they're talking about that he's getting this year? Um, but then let's go to uh, the football team from Washington. A little surprised that um, Peyton Barber was their leading rusher with carries. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and he got all the goal line work, yep. which, you know, he could be a sneaky flex play here once in a while in order to do that. I do think that's kind of a flash in the pan, maybe, because I still don't expect Washington's offense to be very good. And you look at their side of the ball, there wasn't a whole lot of um, great offense going around. Even um, Terry McLaurin didn't have a particularly great game against an Eagles defense that um, I still don't, you're not sure what you're going to get out of them quite yet. Their, their front seven has always been good. It's whether or not they can hold up on the back end. Now they did trade for Darius Slay, so maybe that will improve things, uh, overall for them. But I guess really the only big impressions are the Eagles are going to use a lot of two tight end sets. They're going to be fantasy relevant for both tight ends. Goddard was already a top 10, um, scoring fantasy tight end last year. He's probably solidly within that now. Um, and for another upset player about his contract situation in Zach Ertz, uh, that game from Goddard really is not uh, good for him moving forward. I agree 110% because I did not like it as a Zach Ertz owner. So, yeah, it's just something to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, yeah, as a Zach Ertz and Evan Ingram owner who traded fa- uh, Noah Fant, um, I'm sure that's that's really not sitting well after week one. Eh, I'm one to know. Put up 150 points. I'm I'm okay right now, but yeah, you. It hurts a little bit. You feel I feel like I should have got a little bit more, but you live and you learn. Uh, let's go to Las Vegas and Carolina. All right, the Raiders of uh, Las Vegas, which it will not be um, easy to say that anytime soon, uh, beat the Panthers uh, on the road in Carolina, uh, 34 to 30. Um, Josh Jacobs runs for three total touchdowns, um, outproduces, uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey as far as fantasy value, six catches, 115 yards and a touchdown for Robbie Anderson. One of the big surprises of the week, although that was buoyed by a fairly long touchdown in the third quarter, uh, to help do that one. But this was one of those, um, back and forth, uh, high scoring duels that was providing fantasy points all over the place. Uh, and for, uh, watching the Red Zone channel on the weekend. This was a fun one whenever they cut to it. A lot of points. Uh, yep. A lot of points. So, yeah, it, it was uh, fantasy-wise, yeah, super fun. Um, not even – I don't want to make it sound like I'm surprised what Josh Jacobs done because he did it last year. But 25 um, attempts, 93 yards, and three rushing touchdowns, that's a hell of a day. Uh, but then throw in that passing. That was the big right. improvement this year. Exactly. And that's what I was getting to. Exactly. He had six targets, four catches for 46 yards, um, 11.5 average. So, yeah, that's a nice little um, weapon coming out of the backfield for you as well. Um, He's going to be one of the top running back. He'll probably be one of the top running backs um, next year in like redraft leagues. Um, Christian McCaffrey is still Christian McCaffrey. 23 attempts, 96 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Um, He was a little quiet receiving. You gotta wonder in their new in their new offense, 
Um, maybe if they're not focused as much getting the ball to running backs out of the backfield, because uh, you know Ron Rivera, he's always he's always been that type of guy. So you got to wonder maybe if he's not going to get as much work as he used to um, coming out of the backfield. One thing that uh, disappointed me a little bit uh, was the DJ Moore. Um, a lot of offseason talk about how he was going to be the number one um, wide receiver. He had his breakout year, I would say, last year. Um, right to solidify um, his status. Um, and again, it's only one game, um, but nine targets. So that's um, encouraging uh, four catches for 54 yards, 18, um, 18 yards was his long. Um, you just got to see, you know, new offense that could be a little bit too. And Robbie Anderson has played for um, rule. Rule. Yep. Yeah. So maybe that has a little bit to do with it. He's learned the offense a little bit easier, knows the terminology, all that other fun stuff. Um, so yeah, um, I think for both of these teams, um, and I didn't think of this Carolina about Carolina, um, at the beginning of the year. Um, but I think they're going to be a little more fantasy relevant than I thought. If Josh Jacobs adds just even a little bit of that receiving magic and he's going to get, you know, four catches or six targets on a weekly basis, he's a top five running back, no doubt. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think the amount of work usage, 25 carries in today's NFL is huge. And he got all the goal line work as far as I'm concerned. Um, Christian McCaffrey questionably didn't get the carry on a fourth and one at the end of the game, but I think he'll be just fine as far as the passing work. It is, um, a work in progress as far as that offense, but, uh, it's not Matt rules offense. He's just the head coach. It's Joe Brady's offense. And again, I liken it to the fact that, um, Joe Brady was the passing game coordinator and then was the offensive coordinator for LSU last year. Clyde Edwards and had no problem catching balls out of the backfield. So that one's just going to be just fine. McCaffrey's going to have his at some point, and they're going to be playing a lot of garbage time because that defense is terrible. Um, DJ Moore, I'm not worried about. The target shares there, it just apparently was not connecting well early on. So I'm, I'm not too worried. I think it, it's... People are going to overvalue Robbie Anderson after one game. They're going to undervalue DJ Moore, and I think that will flip as time goes by. Um, Darren Waller, eight uh, total targets, six catches for 45 yards. An okay game for a tight end. He's still solidly within that top ten of tight ends, but I I don't think there's too much more here uh, to kind of dive into. So um, with that, uh, let's move forward to the Browns-Ravens. Uh, another um, absolutely pitiful performance by the Browns. Um, it's it's where coaches, quarterbacks, um, GMs, and owners go to die. Basically everything. It, it might as well be the town dump uh, at this point. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, was targeted 10 times, caught three passes for 22 total yards. Uh, Baker Mayfield couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, it seems. And the other big development out of the Browns right now um, that uh, is at least notable is a complete carry split between uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So if you pick Nick Chubb as a round one, round two guy, uh, hoping you were getting Nick Chubb from the first half of last year, that's not encouraging. If you picked Kareem Hunt, hoping that he was going to be the candidate he was at, uh, when he came back and they were really splitting carries between the two of them at the end of last year, you got exactly what you wanted. That was super surprising to, super surprising to see um, Kareem Hunt 13 carries, Nick Chubb 10, 
and they were both productive. Kareem Hunt, 72 yards. Nick Chubb was 60. Um, Kareem Hunt got a little bit more work out of the backfield. Um, Target-wise, got a lot more, but just three more catches. Um, Yeah, that's... You thought Nick Chubb was going to be the guy um, just to kind of run away with the whole thing. Um, You thought he was going to be a top five running back in this. I think he has the potential to do it. I think he has the skill to do it. But then they signed Kareem Hunt, um, and that kind of takes all the wind out of your sail if you're a Nick Chubb owner. Um, So I just to see how the thing plays out for the rest of the year, but I, it's not encouraging. Like it's going I feel like this is going to be a true, um, committee. Nick Chubb had 10 carries for 60 yards, at, but you figure out the fact that 29 of that. So almost half of his yards was on one play. So you take that out of the equation. Uh, Kareem hunt actually was the better and more productive back was targeted more out of the backfield. Uh, I think if you're, if you have to pick one of those moving forward, I'd probably rather have Kareem Hunt. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens. We're going to preview this at the end of the episode here, but for Thursday night between the Browns and the Bengals, uh, because that's a a situation where neither defense really showed up uh, last weekend in a, in a great way. And um, while the Bengals seem to be better against a chargers offense that wasn't fully formed, um, and Cleveland had a much bigger task taking Baltimore on who like, I mean, that's the MVP across the field, but still, um, I I'd like to see where Cleveland goes. And if this was, uh, the sign of things to come, or if it's, um, they're still trying to figure things out under a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator with a, a different play calling scheme. I'm sorry, but you just have way too much talent. You have way too much freaking talent on that team to only put up six points. Way too much. You have to figure it out. I'm sorry. Like, you have to figure it out. (laughs) But the fact that, you know, um, Baker Mayfield averaged 4.8 yards per target uh, or per reception yesterday, or I guess this would have been two days ago already, um, it's, it's extremely telling of how poor his effort was. Um, go to the other side of the ball, though, the MVP was the MVP. Uh, he put up a rather um, mundane effort, and even then he was still, like, balls to the wall. Um, I There's really no stopping Lamar Jackson at this point. If he's not hurt, he's going to put up big points for you. I guess the one big story out of the other side of the – well, I guess I'll say two things out of the Baltimore uh, side of things – um, J.K. Dobbins ends up with seven carries. He got most of the goal line work from Mark Ingram, which I found to be fascinating. Um, and Mark Ingram or Mark Andrews, a guy who I th- was very wary of going into the season as two touchdown dependent, still had five catches, 58 yards, two touchdowns on six targets. So clearly he's going to still get a lot of goal line work. Touchdowns are going to be more predictable for him. And I'm very wary on starting Ingram right now if um, – I'm a, he's a guy that I drafted in the mid rounds. If I'm in a redraft league, if you're thinking you're even going to get half of what you got last year out of Mark Ingram, you need to figure out a new plan. Cause that's not going to happen. JK Dobbins is just going to get more and more work as the weeks go on. And I think he's going to take over that backfield sooner than next year. Like we, everyone, including myself thought it would be next year, but watching this game and looking at the stats for it, he's going to be taking over that, um, He's going to take over that backfield by midseason, for sure by the end of the year. Um, which, be his. 
given that you picked Taylor and CEH went before me, and I thought I was going to take Dobbins with the pick that I eventually had, and I took Akers instead, um, does not make me feel all warm and fuzzy that all three of them are going to be potentially bigger than um, what Cam Akers was on Sunday night. But we'll get to that one in a second. That is where Ethan unfortunately had to leave us for this week, uh, which means I'm going to be covering the three afternoon games on Sunday and the Sunday night game solo this week. Um, so let's dive right in. Uh, Chargers Bengals was the first one. Uh, the uh, Chargers win on a last second failure by the Bengals to score uh, after a controversial pass interfer- offensive pass interference call uh, against A.J. Green. Uh, Joe Burrow runs for a touchdown in his debut, but they ultimately lose 16-13 to um, at home against the Chargers. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, 16-30 of 30 for 208 yards. Austin Eckler, 19 carries, 84 yards. Uh, Hunter Henry, the leading receiver in the game, with five catches for 73 yards. Um, the main takeaways from this one were, once again, uh, Joe Mixon, not really being involved or utilized a whole lot. Um, Hunter Henry getting a lot of play. Uh, I like his chances going forward, given that Tyrod Taylor's always been favorable to tight ends. Um, his uh, time uh, with uh, Charles Clay in Buffalo uh, was always profitable to potential fantasy owners. I don't think we're going to go away as far as Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, but I don't uh, particularly like Austin Eckler's uh, prospects as a fantasy receiver uh, as much uh, now that Philip Rivers has moved on, who likes to dump the ball off a lot, especially with the amount of pressure that he was under um, with a terrible uh, offensive line for San Diego, excuse me, Los Angeles. Gosh, I am still never going to get used to that. Uh, the next game we had on the slate, although I, before I move on to that, I do want to mention Joshua Kelly, um, the amount of carries that he got, uh, plus potential goal line work. Uh, he is likely to be fantasy relevant if this offense decides to start taking off, and they're in a fantasy-friendly zone with uh, Las Vegas, uh, Kansas City and um, Denver as far as uh, points in their their potential division. They're in the better conference for potential points in the AFC right now. Uh, I do potentially like him as a good uh, pickup flyer. Um, I don't think he made my waiver wire column this week, but he's one of those guys that uh, I would suggest potentially getting to. Um, before somebody else does, uh, especially if you have cap room or uh, one of the other guys um, gets beaten to on your, your waiver priority. Uh, Buccaneers at Saints. Um, Tom Brady kind of fizzles in his first start. Uh, ultimately, the Saints prevail 34-23 um, over the Buccaneers. Uh, Tom Brady rushes for a touchdown. He throws two others, but he also threw a couple of interceptions and a pick six uh, that proved costly. Ronald Jones... Uh, has 17 carries for 66 yards against this um, Saints offense. Jared Cook adds five receptions for 80 yards. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we only had three catches for 17 yards from Michael Thomas, who leaves the game with an ankle injury that has now been diagnosed as a high ankle sprain. Um, we will be monitoring that situation as we move forward. He seems to think that he's going to play. Um, through that situation, I would not necessarily suggest it. Um, usually the prognosis for a high ankle sprain would be multiple weeks, uh, three to four at best. Um, this is the same situation that if uh, you're old enough, you might have remembered Terrell Owens had going into the Super Bowl 
uh, a few years back uh, when he was still with the Eagles. I think about 2004-2005 timetable, somewhere in that range. Uh, I don't know what Michael Thomas's output's going to be over the next couple of weeks. He does have until Monday night where the Saints are playing the Raiders on Monday night football uh, in order to get back, but the prognosis does not particularly look good. Uh, Elvin Kamara scores twice, once on the ground, once through the air, but his overall um, rushing output was not particularly good. Um, moving forward, I would expect that to change, but... This is an offense where the changing of the guard might be happening before our eyes. Drew Brees looks like he's lost some zip on his fastball, and they're going to have to really monitor his uh, ability to throw the ball going forward. Uh, Sean Payton, usually I would trust in this situation, and I'm going to hear as well, that he's going to get things turned around. They're too talented in multiple areas on that team um, for that to go unchecked. And he is an excellent coach, probably one of the best uh, offensive minds in football at this point. Um, I think they'll they'll figure things out, but they're not as potent as they once were. Um, as for the Buccaneers, Mike Evans plays, but wasn't a, a particularly great play. Uh, I liken the fact that he got shut down twice last year by Marshawn Lattimore, and the Saints went out and got Janoris Jenkins over the um, offseason. I didn't particularly like him for this game, and then he came up with that hamstring injury where he was a game-time decision. Um, the Buccaneers probably should have sat him, as far as I'm concerned, going into this game. Uh, Chris Godwin does get some good uh, production and work, although I guess now he's in the concussion protocol after he took a blow to the head on uh, Sunday. They get a potential bounce-back matchup with Carolina next week, who just gave up a ton of points to the Raiders. Um, we'll see what uh, Tom Brady can do in that second outing to... Um, put fantasy owners at ease that invested highly in him. Um, he he does start to show signs of his age in this game, and um, we'll have to monitor that moving forward. Uh, next up, we had the Cardinals uh, winning at the 49ers in comeback fashion, 24-20. Uh, um, DeAndre Hopkins with 14 catches for 151 yards. They were definitely feeding him the ball. Kyler Murray, 13 carries, 91 yards and a touchdown um, to go along with his passing. But uh, ultimately, the guy who seemed most capable of beating that 49er offense, or excuse me, that 49er front seven last year was Kyler Murray. Part of the reason that I ended up picking the Chiefs in the Super Bowl because uh, Patrick Mahomes is athletic and can really move around and move away from that front. Uh, I like highly athletic quarterbacks against a really good defensive front. It's really the one kryptonite any of those great defensive fronts have had any time um, in the, the not-too-distant past. Um, but uh, the 49ers were really hampered by the fact that they had uh, both Brandon Aik, their um, star uh, well, first round rookie um, out with a hamstring injury, as well as Debo Samuel, who is now apparently going to be out for three to four weeks with um, recovering from that foot injury. The prognosis had been that he might be able to even play in week one, and now he has been downgraded. Um, moving forward, uh, as well as George Kittle uh, spraining his knee, um, he did come back and play in the second half, although he wasn't as effective. Um, that offense is going to be in a difficult situation moving forward, but they do also get a fantasy-friendly matchup next week with the Jets uh, again on the road. So that will be one to potentially monitor. Um, 
I do really love uh, Raheem Mostert going forward for that game. Uh, I would also say Jarrett McKinnon is one to monitor now that he's fully healthy, and the 49ers gave him a lot of money a couple of years ago in order to um, get him into the Shanahan system. That'll be one where I'll be curious to see what that uh, resembles going forward. But the biggest story is Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and the connection that that's going to have. Basically, every other Cardinals wide receiver was shut out. I know that they run a lot of three and four wide receiver sets, specifically four wide receivers, but Christian Kirk has one catch in this game. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald uh, doesn't see a ton of targets. It was really the um, Nuck Hopkins and Kyler Murray show uh, going forward for that team. And uh, you wonder what the prospects are going to be like um, going forward for um, somebody like Kenyon Drake if... uh, Kyler Murray ends up running or they continue to throw and air it out quite as much as they did before, um, what that's going to potentially do to his fantasy value as a guy that was potentially drafted in the first round by a lot of people. Um, I would say at this point, uh, after week one, Nuck and Devontae Adams are the clear number ones overall at wide receiver moving forward, and you have to like um, the situation that they have. Kyler Murray balled out, and he's clearly a top five, if not a top three quarterback fantasy-wise moving forward. He was everything and more of what people had hoped for him going forward that uh, really picked him to be the next fantasy breakout star um, that uh, was in his second year like Lamar Jackson and uh, Patrick Mahomes did. Uh, Moving on, we finally have the Sunday night football game. The Cowboys, who I picked to lose in the Super Bowl to the Steelers against the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams pulled that game out at the end, 20-17. to Malcolm Brown rushes for two touchdowns. Um, Ezekiel Elliott rushes for one and catches another. Robert Woods has six catches for 105 yards. Jared Goff has a decent game, uh, 20 of 31 for 275 and a, one interception. But um, the biggest story in this particular game was the Cowboys' uh, lack of an offensive line. Um, now that Travis Frederick has retired over the offseason, they lost Lyle Collins uh, in the offseason here to um, a knee tear that uh, kept him out, uh, well, is going to be keeping him out for the rest of the year. And um, they no longer have the same type of offensive line that um, we had been anticipating or that we'd come to expect out of Dallas um, for the last several years where they had such um, stalwarts on that offensive line. Yes, they still have Zach Martin. Yes, they still have Tyron Smith, but Tyron Smith has lost a step. They've got a couple other guys that are um, out, and they're going to have to start making do with this. This might be a situation where if they don't figure out how to stabilize that line awfully quickly, um, now, frankly, Aaron Donald and that defensive front for the Rams makes a lot of people look silly, but um, this might be a situation where Dallas is in more trouble for uh, a team that a lot of people, including myself, obviously, uh, liked going in uh, moving forward. Um, Cooper, or excuse me, Amari Cooper ends up uh, with 10 catches for 81 yards. Not a huge um particular average. He was targeted the most on the team by far with 14 total targets. Michael Gallup with five, three catches for 50 yards. C.D. Lamb, five catches for 59 yards and six targets. Um, I will be very closely monitoring uh, how the target share is going forward, um, particularly as an Amari Cooper owner and whether or not uh, they continue to feed him the ball. But uh, for a guy that came in with a little bit of a nick um, as for far as a hamstring injury moving forward, that's one to potentially monitor. So 
With that, uh, let us um, give you our potential waiver claims. I know they're probably a little bit late. Uh, There is going to be a weekly article uh, every week coming in on um, Tuesday morning to help you with your waiver wire claims. My waiver wire picks of the week, Malcolm Brown, uh, Dallas Goddard, Benny Snell Jr., Paris Campbell, James Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Naheem Hines, LaVishka Chenault Jr., James Washington, and Jonu Smith. Now, note that I didn't include Joshua Kelly. I still, I'm not sure what to think of that Chargers offense yet. I do think they're in a fantasy-friendly zone, but or Justin Jackson is still a potential factor in that offense moving forward, despite Josh Kelly being there. So investing in him may not be a, a huge thing yet. Malcolm Brown has the current starting job uh, for the Rams, and that's a fantasy-friendly position. Um, yes, they're still going to probably work in Darrell Henderson Jr. and uh, Cam Akers, but it really ended up being uh, Malcolm Brown's show on uh, Sunday night. So I would expect that, at least for the initial part of this moving forward, um, until the other two can potentially get their legs under him, that uh, he be the fantasy-relevant one out of that committee uh, moving forward, if that, because of the role and what it's produced in years past, uh, he is obviously the number one waiver claim. Dallas Goddard comes up with that huge game uh, with eight catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown uh, against the, Re- excuse me, the Washington football team um, on Sunday. And he was already a top 10 tight end last year, as I mentioned previously in the show. Uh, he's another one where if uh, even if you don't need him and you already have a really good tight end, he's a good stash piece to have. Uh, I would recommend at this point in any redraft leagues, if you have a stalwart quarterback, you have one of those top seven guys, uh, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, don't even bother keeping a second quarterback. You'll figure out how to stream the one week that they're going to be on a bye and, you know, God forbid that they actually develop COVID or something else that is a, a completely unknown situation where it starts running rampant through a team or something for who knows why. Um, but provided that that does not happen, which right now the NFL protocols in place have actually worked really well. Um, most of the people tested have not uh, been positive. Um, I don't think they had a single positive case uh, going into last weekend. So you like the the factor moving forward on that. If that's the case, honestly, keeping a second quarterback on your roster is a wasted spot. With the amount of uh, quarterbacks that are out there that you could pick up for one week and stream, um, I, I really wouldn't suggest maintaining a second quarterback, especially in standard leagues where the benches are shorter. Um, you're better off using it on one of these potential uh, waiver claims moving forward. Um, Benny Snell Jr., uh, we already talked about him a lot moving forward. It's just a position that I really like where I think he's a um, diamond in the rough. Uh, he was a Heisman contender back at Kentucky at a school that um, really doesn't get a lot of hype, and he was right in the thick of things up until the end of that, playing in a really tough conference in the SEC, things people don't necessarily know. Um, and that Pittsburgh offense is going to be dangerous. So he's a guy I, I would buy into a lot of shares. Paris Campbell, we've already talked about. Uh, James Robinson, we've talked about. Sammy Watkins, we talked about on our preview episode. Um, he's a he's a guy that, you know, he's not owned in a lot of leagues right now, but he played well in the playoffs last year. He's uh, 
a potential target monster, especially if teams are going to focus in a lot on stopping uh, Tyreek Hill right now. He and Travis Kelsey could see the benefits of that a lot more than uh, most other players. And if he's working himself in a possession receiver fashion, um, I, I know he's been known for a lot of his speed before, but uh, if he finds himself in a good role where he's getting uh, 10, 8 to 10 targets a game, um, he's going to be more fantasy relevant than people have given him credit for over the time. And it's not a bad thing to be a top target of Patrick Mahomes right now. Uh, Naheem Hines, uh, this is just simply one where he could be, could be playing the Austin Eckler role for Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis. If you're playing in a PPR format, it's a guy that you want to stash um, just to keep uh, your options healthy, um, particularly if the Colts end up in situations where they're not playing the Jaguars, but they're still losing because, well, frankly, nobody else is the Jaguars, and they're going to be playing much tougher teams starting even this weekend against Minnesota. Uh, I would expect them to be playing from behind a lot if uh, the results from Sunday play out um more as we go forward and thus if they're throwing the ball a lot more that means they're not running it they're putting in their third down back Naheem Hines fills that role. Uh, Levitska Chenault uh, had a good showing he's number eight on my list because at this point um, we're getting down into the the bottom um, of uh, the guys that you really want to roster. He's a guy who's more of a tantalizing feed but I still think DJ Chark is going to end up being the the primary target in that offense, and I don't know how much they're going to be throwing right now. Um, week one made me a weird situation where um, they caught the Colts napping, especially in that second half. You would think that they're going to be having more garbage time uh, as things go forward because that roster is kind of depleted, and so if they're playing catch-up, then uh, you, you would like them to throw the ball a lot more, thus meaning potentially more targets. But um, he's a guy that you might want to keep an eye on. Uh, James Washington, another situation. Um, if he's going to be in a productive offense, he's a guy that you may want to sit and stash. And Janu Smith, uh, a guy for the Titans that um, might be a stash tight end going forward. Um, he may have a coming out party this weekend against Jack or Jacksonville. Just keep an eye on that one. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for us for this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Again, if you want to email the show uh, before we get to our preview episode for uh, your upcoming Sunday, uh, I do want to mention we are previewing a little bit of the uh, Cincinnati-Cleveland game, but I, I boy, I, I don't know what to say. Um, I think Joe Burrow is going to potentially have a really good game. I'm holding out hope that Cleveland's going to turn it around against a, a much lesser um, Cincinnati defense on Thursday night, but who knows? And we'll have a few more answers coming at you uh, before uh, you get to setting your lineups on Sunday. So um, again, if you want to email the show and uh, have any listener questions, we'd love to hear from you. DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. That's DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Uh, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you again in a few days.